After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is Kenway Chang, one of the local boys who brought the ENO Trading Company to Hawaii. Kenway started his business career over 15 years ago as a financial analyst in New York to run Box to Go and ENO restaurants. Kenway is also a board member of the Hawaii Theater, the Gift Foundation of Hawaii, and Langtree Estate and Vineyards. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Kenway Chong. Welcome to our show, Kenway. Thank you. You're currently playing an active role in the ENO Trading Company. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role? Uh, my role is as the managing partner of Hawaii and soon to be Maui. So our partnership really consists of, of four active members. Uh, it's myself and uh, Chris Hemeter Jr., a gentleman named Rodney Liu, all, uh, both of them from Hawaii as well, and another partner, Micah Brody. Um, and uh, for that partnership, for what we're doing out here, I'm the active partner because I, I live here and it's easier for me to keep my finger in the pulse of everything. Prior to you becoming a partner, especially in Hawaii, did you have to work in the San Francisco restaurant? I didn't. I just had to eat there a lot. <laughs> San okay. Francisco, San Jose, and Marin. So, you know, Trading Company was already in existence before you actually joined them as a partner. Correct. The first one opened in uh, San Francisco in 1997, and then in San Jose in 99, uh, Marin County in 04, and then Honolulu opened in 05. Was it Chris Hemeter and, and Rodney that opened it? Correct. Yep. Okay. And then how did you end up getting involved? You know, it's, uh, with a lot of things I've done, it's kind of been a, a really indirect transition. Um, you know, when I was in the capital markets, I, I got involved in both the restaurant uh, from a financial perspective as well as a storage company. And then when I decided to leave the capital markets, our, our storage company was getting bigger and I took an active role in that. And uh, I came back to, to be involved in that on a day-to-day -day basis. And then uh, when I was selling the storage company, I decided my next step would be running the restaurants. So uh, I took a, a much more active role in the restaurants then. Okay. And ENO Trading Company, what type of restaurant is that for people who don't know? It's a, it's a Southeast Asian grill. And what we try to do is we feature a lot of dishes cooked over Kiavi hardwood on our, our wood-burning grill. Uh, but what we try to do is we try to bring a lot of the cuisines of Southeast Asia together under one restaurant. So we have representations from Cambodia and Laos and Vietnam and uh, East India, Malaysia, Singapore, and so forth. So someone can really come into our restaurant and have a, a medley of dishes from six different countries at one meal. Um, all of our dishes are, are not necessarily authentic, but they're authentically inspired, and then we use some creativity to, to tweak them a little bit. When you joined this group, since it was already kind of established pretty much in San Francisco, how difficult was it for you to come in and you know, be an additional partner and then also be friends with these people so you're doing friends and business at the same time? Well, it was difficult uh, from the sense that I didn't have any experience in running a restaurant day-to-day. I mean, my only experience with restaurants was, was being a guest in a diner. Um, but it was relatively easy in that, given that we had uh, restaurants running since 1997, all the systems and tools to really run a restaurant were in place. And uh, so not having to build that from ground up made it much easier. It's almost like getting into something with a running start. And it was just a matter of me trying to learn the business day-to-day -day so that I could really contribute and keep my finger in the pulse of things and, and make a difference. 
Did you ever have experience working in a restaurant atmosphere? I was a waiter in college in Kenmore Square at a, at a little restaurant there and uh, was there for about a year and a half. <laughs> so it seems that as an entrepreneur, you're going into almost unrelated industries. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, I, I enjoyed the capital markets where I started off and I spent a, a long time there and had a great time doing it. I mean, it's just mentally stimulating um, and the environment, the pace of it is really stimulating and invigorating. But uh, after a while, I just got burnt out. I mean, my wife and I looked at each other in 2001 and said, you know, what are we doing? I was traveling two weeks a month. And uh, we had, you know, our first little girl and, and our second little girl, actually, and, and said this is <laughs> no way to live. So we decided we're going to move home. And um, it's, it's never an easy time to live, leave something you've invested so much time in, um, which was my business at the time. I said, you know, let's go home. And, and luckily there was uh, the storage company getting bigger and stronger and, and more financially successful. And, uh, and it was a real opportunity for me to come back and be involved in that. So for me, it hasn't been uh, necessarily choosing a career path, per se, and moving from businesses of, of like type. It's really been, you know, what are the opportunities to, to develop myself, but also balance out my lifestyle. So when you came back, you went right into the storage business. You had started that already in Correct. My New partner, York? My partner in the storage business is Chris Eldridge, and he had started that in 1998. Um, and... Uh, over the years, from 1998 to 2001, it, it got bigger, and we had acquired uh, one of our largest competitors, and um, and it was a real enough company for me to come back and work on full time. So, how long did that last for? Uh, I came back in 01, um, and we just sold it in January. We sold the, the majority of it in January. We still have a, a small interest in it, um, and we're, we're looking at liquidating the rest of that as well. So you've always been you've always been an entrepreneur by heart. Um. Because you've always studied these new companies, they're unrelated, but they're business ideas. You know, but I've, I haven't started them. I've, I've, I've been involved from the early stages financially, but I haven't really been the risk taker. Um, you know, I spent a decade in the capital markets where I was working for somebody else, so the capital is really at risk by somebody else. The risk taker extent really came in as I was managing portfolios, you know, pulling the trigger to invest in different currencies and bonds for, on behalf of investors. Um, and the risk, though it wasn't my capital, was my reputation. Um, lately, coming back here, it's been uh, getting involved more entrepreneurially. Um, the storage company was relatively an easy opportunity because it was pretty, pretty stable cash flow. It didn't really entail a whole lot of risk. And, and that went well. We were fortunate with that. So the restaurant business is really the, the most risky venture I've taken on. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Ken Wei Chong, co-owner of ENO Trading Company and board member of the Gift Foundation of Hawaii. So Hemeter was a classmate of yours at Punahou? 
No, actually, Chris was a few years ahead of me. He was 82, class of 82, and I was class of 86. Okay, were you good friends? We weren't great friends uh, growing up. We did know each other. Our parents were friends and knew each other quite well. And it wasn't until uh, 1995 when Chris moved out to San Francisco. Uh, one of my dearest friends is a guy named Rodney Liu, also from Hawaii, and he was Chris's classmate at Punahou. And um, Rodney and I ran around the same circle of friends in San Francisco. So when Chris moved out to San Francisco after uh, he finished Harvard B School, he ran around with the same group, and that was us. And that's where he and I really got to know each other quite well. How long was the transition of trying to figure out if you were going to bring this to Hawaii, building the relationship, and actually doing it? Uh, the transition wasn't very long at all. It actually started um, with my role on the uh, the board of the Hawaii Theater. Um, you know, I'd been on the Hawaii Theater since uh, since 2001 on their board, and um, in 2003, 2002 actually, we started looking at the 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 Indigo space. Um, there was a possibility of it becoming vacant, and I loved the the, the character of that space and the 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 sexiness and and the romance of of downtown. In Chinatown, in that space in particular, um, and it just didn't work out for us there. But but at that point, Chris and Rodney and, and Mike and I talked about it, and we decided that we wanted to do something here in Hawaii. And the timing worked out well with the sale of, of Box to Go, and so I had you know, a lot of resources, mainly my time, available, and the energy and the desire to do it. So um, the decision to do it happened pretty quickly. The actual execution, it took a little while to find the right space ultimately to go through the lease negotiation and build out. How did you folks go ahead and choose? the location you're at now, which is at Ward, right? Correct. We, we looked around to a number of spaces. Um, we looked at some spaces downtown here. We looked um, uh, certainly in, in the Ala Moana area um, at Ward and even Waikiki. And in the end, what we really wanted to do was to build a strong local clientele. And when we looked at the demographic of Ward, looking at it and seeing it was really 85% or so local-based uh, business, uh, that's where we decided we wanted to be. How hard was the transition going into restaurant from the storage business and from bonds, <laughs> it, it wasn't hard at all. It was it was it was easy because it was so exciting, you know. And it still is exciting. I mean, it's a, it's a great business, and you've probably heard of, of you know you've heard it before. I mean, every day is a new challenge, and and there's always new things to encounter. And I love that. It, you know, you have to have 100 percent of your wits with you all the time. What kind of business lessons have you learned along the way that you were able to apply to these different types of industries? You know, I think with everything, um, the, the lesson that always rings true in anything, whether it's working for somebody else or with, whether it's storage or, or restaurant, is, is personnel. Especially in, this in these times right now where unemployment is so low, um, everybody's vying for the same good people. Um, you know, all, all major lessons learned about, about personnel, how to train them, how to mentor them, how to get them on your side and get their buy-in, um, and then how to try to retain them and develop them so that they have a reason to stay. It's not just money anymore. So how are you guys actually doing that? What Do you have a secret sauce that you can maybe share with us without giving away too much? No, I don't think it's, uh, it's a secret sauce necessarily. I think a lot of it's common sense. Um, the ideas are common sense, and then the, the hard part is the execution of it. Um, thinking about the ideas to, to get your employees buy-in, um, get them involved in decision-making is easy enough to, to make that commitment to do it, but actually executing it is the tough part. Um, being consistent in your ideas and your communication um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, being fair to everybody and and, uh, and and holding everybody accountable and nobody less accountable than others, I mean, that's a, that's the hard part. And what is your strategy of who are you looking for? What kind of employees? You know, I think that uh, the restaurant business in particular is a very it's it's a very unique animal, I guess. the The nature of the staff tend to be pretty transient. Um, it's a cash based business for the servers and bartenders and so forth and 
Um, in some cases, you have great loyalty uh, from staff. In other cases, it's it's a job where they can earn money and and you know, they they punch and they punch out. Um, and so, trying to find people with a character, the character of of somebody that that has a long term commitment, has a sense of responsibility and accountability, and wants to be a part of something that's growing, is is the first thing you're looking for. And from there, you can really train people and 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 uh, mentor them to become part of your program. Um, you can find other people who are great at what they do, but if they're still looking at it as as just a job and a, and a means of income, um, it's it's sometimes difficult, if not impossible, to to really convert them to the culture we're trying to build. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monster so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Ken Wei Chang, co-owner of ENO Trading Company and board member of the Gift Foundation of Hawaii. So, Ken Wei, before we broke, um, we were talking about your employees and the interview process. Are you able to give us some idea of what types of questions you're asking to find out more about their character and their values? Sure. You know, I, I I'm always interested to see on somebody's resume, and this is really talking about management level positions. Um, I'm, I'm not that involved in the interview process for the, a lot of the staff level positions. But for managers, I'm always interested to see, aside from their credentials and their schooling and, and where they've worked before, what their interests are and what, you know, what's important to them outside of work. And, and to me, you know, I look at, uh, my priorities and, and if I'm going to work with somebody and entrust somebody to, to run a significant part of the business and have a lot of responsibility, I kind of want to find someone who's compatible and, um, you know, has a priority of, doesn't necessarily have to be family if they're not married and don't have children, but, um, it could be a fidelity ship, a fidelity to friendship, um, or to their parents or siblings, and somebody who enjoys recreation and things outside of work, um, where work's not everything. Are there any questions that you're asking that are kind of tell-all questions? Uh, not necessarily. For each person, it's different. But you know, I, I often want to know, uh, for instance, in positions of authority before or responsibility, uh, how they've mentored other people, um, things that weren't going that well, and how they turned them around. Um, and how they identified somebody that, that might have had the raw material that they thought and, and what they looked for. What has inspired the um, open walls and the Asian theme in, at ENL? The, the theme for the, the Ward Center location is an outdoor Asia marketplace. And so each of our restaurants follows a, a different point along the ENO story. And so when, when Chris uh, uh, Hammonder Jr. was in business school, he wrote this story about the ENO trading company. It was a a fictitious company is set amongst a, a historical backdrop of the 1800s and the trade routes between uh, the Southeast Asian countries and, and Europeans. And uh, so he wrote this great story of these fictitious characters with a lot of romance and spice and so forth. And, and um, so as the, as the restaurants were developed, each one kind of fell within a different place in that story. So the first restaurant that opened up in San Francisco is the trading warehouse. It's where everybody came into port 
to meet this this uh, English trader and his and his partner, a uh, Sri Lankan gentleman. And it was a place where people stored their wares. And while they were storing their wares, they went upstairs and dined and had great foods. And the foods were made by uh, this gentleman Bailey's wife, who loved cooking and had a passion for cooking. And as she traveled around Southeast Asia, she picked up different recipes and and flavors and we put them together at the grill house, the E&O grill house. And that was the idea, the genesis for the first E&O trading company. And so the, the San Francisco unit actually looks like a trading warehouse. You walk in its burlap bag walls and bamboo hardwood floors and crates along the walls. And upstairs then is more of the white tablecloth, linen, uh, the fine dining. So that was the first point in the story. And then San Jose took on the, the financial center and Marin County became the uh, Southern Thailand retreat. And Honolulu was inspired by the outdoor Asian marketplace. So when you come into our restaurant here, you have elements of indoor and outdoor under one roof. You have a bar with its own freestanding roof, and you have a facade of a, of a brick structure um, with its awnings and porticos and windows. Um, and you have our kitchen with a, 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 a roof on it as well. And so as you go, as you walk throughout the restaurants, you have somewhat of a feeling of being indoors looking outdoors or vice versa. So are you finding that that story and that kind of romance helps out the business? You know, it doesn't help out the business necessarily because not everybody knows our story. Um, on a Honolulu menu, on the front page is our story. So it gives someone a, a good idea as to how that story evolved. Um, but I do think it helps out in that it helps us get creative and, and really excited about developing a restaurant concept. And I think that really plays through into the finished product. So when people walk into our restaurant, for the most part, um, I don't think people think that it's Disney-esque. I think they, they walk in saying, wow, this is really different for Honolulu. There's no restaurant like it where it's, it's really nicely designed. The lighting is perfect. It's very rich. It's warm. Um, and it's, it's, it's you know, clearly a different type of ambiance. Um, you know, and I think the, the market recognized that. We won the, uh, the, the Haleana Award for Best Ambiance. Um, so I, I don't think it makes a difference in helping people understand the story, but it makes a difference in the experience that they, that they receive when the guest is there. You also have a very interesting story. You traveled to Southeast Asia. Could you tell us a little bit more about those travels? Sure. It was a long time ago, and, and um, it was in 96. Uh, I, had, uh, I was managing money for a, a fund in San Francisco, and it was long days, and I got burnt out, and I decided I was going to travel for a little while. wasn't married, didn't have any children, had no attachments except a home. So uh, I rented out my house, and I, I took off, and it was supposed to be a four-month trip uh, just to go and, and see Vietnam and part of the world I wanted to see. And uh, it turned into 15 months. I couldn't, couldn't get away. I, I flew into India. Uh, I was supposed to be just passing through. I got stuck there for five and a half months, fell in love with the country, and, um, and decided that I wanted to see so much more of Southeast Asia. The more I traveled, the, big, the world got bigger. And uh, it was hard to pull, pull myself away, finally. So what are some of the lessons that you learned during those travels that maybe have helped you today or can help others? You know, it's, uh, I think that traveling solo in, in parts of the world that were, for the most part, Pretty safe, but in some cases they were they're a bit edgy and, and you know it's developing countries. Um, you know I think the biggest lesson was just you know realizing things that that would have been barriers before or things that would have deterred you visually or or you know for for sense of fear um, to be able to get through them. And you know I think that happens every single day now when I, when I look at things and I'm in, in, when I encounter certain obstacles. Um, there's nothing really that looks that disparaging compared to some of the things I saw there. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide 
and at greatergoodbooks.com. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party, or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. How do you sell this company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com you're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Ken Wei Chong, co-owner of the ENO Trading Company Hawaii. He serves on the board of directors for the Hawaii Theater and the Gift Foundation of Hawaii. So Ken Wei, how did you get involved with the Hawaii Theater and does it have any uh, bearing on your business at all or is it just something on the side? You know, it doesn't really have a uh, bearing on my business and it wasn't my interest to, to go into something for business purposes. But, you know, when I first moved home, I've been away from the islands for about 15 years, and uh, I want to get reinvolved not just through business, but uh, through other organizations as well. A good friend of mine, Michael Pfeffer, uh, approached me and said that uh, he had been on the board for the Hawaii Theater for a number of years and uh, wanted to know if I was interested in it. You know, I hadn't really been to the theater in a long time. I'd been, you know, um, briefly by it and, and so forth, and so I did a tour with, with Michael and, and with Sarah Richards, um, had lunch with them, and it was really interesting in what they were doing in terms of not just the theater itself, but I mean the, the structure itself is a beautiful structure, but in terms of what it meant for the revitalization of downtown. And I like that idea. Um, and so I decided to become a part of, of the board, and um, I was fortunate they asked me to, to do so. And, uh, you know, it's been a great, I'm actually on my fourth year now, and it's been a, a great experience working with some really neat people. What I really liked about that board and like about the board is that it's, it's, a, it's a dynamic group of people, and for a board of 40-some-odd people, it's, it's, it tends to be extremely nimble and, and efficient. Um, and effective in doing what they're supposed to be doing. Are you able to share with us um, your, not necessarily your vision, but the board's vision of how the theater would impact Chinatown? Well, I think that it's supposed to be, um, the intention is for the theater to be kind of the cornerstone of a cultural revitalization of downtown. You've got a, a great or a beautiful fa uh, facility in the theater itself, and I think it complements a lot of the architecture, architecture downtown to the extent that downtown becomes more of a, of a live-work environment supposed to just a work environment um, I think the theater adds a nice dimension that adds activity at night um, as opposed to right now a lot of its vacant at night a lot of its dormant at night and you've seen that recently with Hotel Street and the revitalization, revitalization of, of Hotel Street um, you know Indigo has played a huge part to it but now all the all the uh, the the art galleries and so forth so I think what they've been looking for and trying to develop for you know the last or since the the, the 80s when they first took on this project is really coming to fruition now it's great to see. So how did you get involved with the Gift Foundation, and does it all fit in together, or are they just separate? It, it doesn't fit in together. Um, it, it, it fits in together for me in that, uh, you know, I've always told myself and, and, and my wife that um, being back here in Hawaii, you know, I, I probably have the capacity to be involved with two nonprofit organizations. Um, if I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to be effective at all. Um, 
And so having been involved with the Hawaii Theater, it kind of fulfilled my sense of, of cultural philanthropy. Um, and, and really the humanitarian side hadn't been fulfilled. And so when, when B.J. Kobayashi and Don Takaki and, and some of the other founders of the Gift Foundation and, and at the time Prescott Stewart uh, came up with the idea to, to start an organization in Hawaii called the Gift Foundation, really where the, the mission was to focus on uh, youth education uh, and wellness, um, to me that, that, that hit home in terms of fulfilling that, fulfilling that yang versus the yin or, or vice versa. Um, in terms of, of my uh, nonprofit involvement. And that's how it came to be, and, and it's been a great experience so far. Can you explain a little bit about the Gift Foundation and what, it, what they do, what it means to you, sure. for people that may not know what it is? Sure. The Gift Foundation uh, was originally made up of 13 of kind of our peer group. Um, and a lot of people who you, you've known, you've had them, you've interviewed them here. Um, but really the idea was to get our generation more philanthropically involved and philanthropically involved in organizations that were not our parents' charity. And a lot of our parents' charity, you know, for better or for worse, had to do with a lot of the cultural arts, which is great. Um, and some of them didn't, but you know, a lot of them were large, whether it would be the United Way or the Red Cross, and, and all very worthwhile organizations. But for us as a group, trying to raise money annually for a beneficiary or multiple beneficiaries, uh, we thought we could make a greater impact looking at smaller organizations. So part of our mission was to look at organizations that are youth, education, or wellness related. Um, one of the criteria were that the entity had to be run with the entrepreneurial spirit and that um, with a small budget, um, they could do quite a bit and leverage those resources. Um, it also could not be our parents' charity. And it had to be run or founded or heavily influenced by our peer group. And so it was a way of, of leveraging our efforts to affect our peer group and others as well. Are you able to share with us a story or maybe an experience, something that really impacted you from giving back to the community and being involved in these foundations? Well, you know, I think that um, whether it's the Hawaii Theater and, and seeing uh, some of the shows, the, the shows, whether it be um, uh, the shows for children um, or, you know, the, the, the artistic shows, I think it's wonderful to see, but it's also great to see people's expressions as they come out of the theater. And... Um, you know, going down to First Fridays and seeing the energy down there and realizing that theater is a part of it. I mean, you've got this, this huge marquee up there that's beautiful, and it glows at night. It lights up right around Mark's Garage and, and Indigo, and you see a great bustle down there. And the energy of what downtown is becoming is, is rewarding to see that, you know, theater, I think, was, played a large part in that. Um, and then uh, on the Gift Foundation side, I think that uh, to see uh, our peer group wanted to be a part of this. I mean, this year we had a number of people that wanted to be a part of the board or if not be a part of the board to just help out with it. Um, and to see them really uh, responding to the call for action of getting involved, I think has been very encouraging. Um, we also see that through the number of, of organizations that have come to us asking for sponsorship. Um, clearly, uh, I, I think the, the, the effort and the mission of Gift Foundation has gotten out there. Uh, a lot of people see it as a potential source. We try to make it as, as non-bureaucratic as possible for these organizations. They come and they interview. If we like them, we commit to them. Um, and it's not really any paperwork or grants needed to be signed or anything like that. It's, you know, uh, we'll go down, we'll, we'll meet with them, we'll see what their cause and their efforts are. And if we believe in it, we'll say that's, that's who we're going to support this year. And it becomes relatively simple. And again, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to foster the entrepreneurial spirit for nonprofits and leverage the resources that we can raise with these people who are involved in these organizations to really make a difference for our community. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.